Hi, this is Bob Wells here, and welcome to Undercurrent Stories. This is the show where we hear about people's interests and uncover some fascinating stories at the same time. I hope you enjoy today's show. In today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Stacey Duber. Stacey is a successful author, having published 10 books, as well as an award-winning journalist, a freelance editor, and an online writing instructor. Hello and welcome to the show, Stacey. Hi, thank you. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you ever so much for coming on. So how, how are things in America? Um, oh, it's a bit crazy right now. <laughs> Pandemic election. <laughs> and how's, um, how's it been with the COVID situation? Um, we're in, I'm in Massachusetts, so it's, it's um, been pretty, hasn't been too bad here lately. We're, kids are doing hybrid school, going a couple of days a week, and then they're at home the other days. So yeah, um, yeah it's definitely been a big change. Yes, it's been a very difficult year for every for everybody, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So before before we talk about your career as an author, Stacey, um, and obviously what you do as a writing instructor, can you just tell us a little bit about you and and sort of how you got to where you are, please? Um, I've always loved to read and write. I, I started writing when I was in third grade and never stopped. Um, I wrote my first book in high school and started submitting. Uh, short stories to magazines um, in high school. Um, I became a newspaper reporter uh, after graduating college. Um, did some freelance writing for parenting magazines and different health publications. Um, and then yeah. the whole time I was writing on the side. And then eventually I uh, also branched out into editing and teaching online courses for writers. Oh, I see. So that's that's how you got going. So so you've all you've always liked writing ever, ever since you were at school, and it's just carried on. Yes. Yeah. I was very like, shy and introverted growing up, so I think writing was a way to um, help me express myself. And once my I had a fifth grade teacher in particular who, um, once he noticed, because we did a lot of creative writing in his class, so once he noticed that I uh, seemed to have a talent for writing, he really encouraged it and you know made a big deal out of it so i think that helped me to um increase my confidence and to keep going with it yeah and and when when what was the point when you decided to decided to become a like a sort of full-time author um so i had my first book published when i was 18 years old and that was after i i won a competition for teenage writers and the winner got published um with avon books their young adult in Prague imprint at the time, Avon Flair. Um, But I I still continued writing, you know, that book did well and everything, but again, I was only 18, I was just starting college. So I I kept writing, still had a lot to learn. Um, Over the years, had a lot of rejection, you know, work with agents. Um, And then when I first decided to really get, um, I guess, even more serious about it in the sense of launching a website and, um, you know, just really training myself as an author is when I got a contract for my second book, um, 25 years ago today, a mystery novel. Um, I sold that to a small uh, mystery publisher. Uh, and that's when, um, that was about 2010, 2011. Um, yeah. And that's when I launched my website and started really delving into uh, book promotion. And um, I sold my second book through them. And then around that time is when uh, Kindle and Nook um, was just really taking off. So then I had my ebook rights. So then I started branching into indie publishing. Um, yeah, it's just been kind of going strong ever since. So you are self-publishing? 
right now I'm self-publishing. Yes. Yeah. And, and obviously the, um, you know, the, the boom in eBooks, Kobo's and Kindles, I would suggest has really, really helped things. Yes. Yeah. And then, um, also I had the audiobook rights to my book. So I, um, work with ACX, which is, um, through Amazon, their audiobook um, arms. So, um, I yeah. have most of my books on Audible also. So that was a fun experience. I get to work directly with the narrators, choose my narrators. Yeah. Um, so it's really amazing all the opportunities there are for indie authors today, M- much different compared to when I was first starting out uh, in the early 90s. Yes. I mean, just just so f- the listeners are aware of the sorts of books you do, what 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 type of books do you do? And can you just tell us a bit about your books, please? Uh, I've, I've written in some different genres. I... My first book was a young adult hockey novel called Face Off, and that was yeah. that was one published when I was 18. And then I wrote a sequel to it uh, 25 years later. I actually had a, I had a draft of it. Tw- 25 years draft. later? Yes. Yeah, because <laughs> the first book was still selling really strong, and the, the, yeah. the sequels had gotten rejected by that publishing company because it had been a lot of turnover with editors and everything. And so it had just been in my drawer for years, but it was sort of always on my bucket list that I wanted to revisit it, especially since yeah. I was getting requests from it. Um, I was getting emails from mothers and grandmothers whose uh, kids really enjoyed the first book and they wanted to know if there's a sequel. So oh, right. um, I released the sequel. Oh. I totally rewrote it and then released the sequel uh, about a year yeah. ago. So those are and my- and that's, that's, Is that a sort of um, young adult type yeah, of Yes, so those are young adult sports fiction. Then yeah. I have a couple of mysteries. They're kind of a blend of cozy mystery and romantic suspense. Yeah. Um, the two standalone mystery novels. I have a young adult paranormal thriller um, called Dark Before Dawn, um, a children's picture book about um, the U.S. flag code and flag etiquette that I actually collaborated with um, with my father. He did the illustrations. And oh, then right. most recently I've been focusing on um, a different, totally different genre for me, <clears throat> my storybook Valley Chicklet. Uh, romantic yeah. comedy novels is a blend of chiclet and humor um, and sweet, clean romance set at a fairy tale theme park. Yeah. So, all oh, right. So, so you like bringing in humor? Yes. Yeah. I, when I first started out, I mean, I um, my earlier books are more serious. Um, maybe with a little bit of humor here and there, but I would definitely define them as more serious. So, branching yeah. out into chiclet was an unexpected kind of twist in my career. I've been reading yeah. a lot of chiclet and it made me laugh out loud. And I think that's what inspired me yeah. to. So, uh, so for those unfamiliar with chiclet, I, I'm assuming chick literature. Yes. Uh, teenage girls? No, um, women. So, ad- adult fiction. Oh, just, it's sort oh, okay. of, a, oh, most of them are humorous. Um, yeah. I, uh, an author that I really like is Sophie Kinsella. She's a UK-based author. Um, the Confessions of a Shopaholic series, or like Bridget oh, Jones, yes. Bridget Jones Diary. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of a, it's there could be a romance in it, but it's more about their journey, um, the the woman, the female character's journey, and it's just with a lot of humor. Yeah, oh, so it sounds interesting. Sort of thing that uh, perhaps TV or film might be interested in. Yes, that is my dream, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned about your journalism career, and, and you won an award. Can you just tell us a bit about your award? I won um, several awards um, over the years. I did journalism probably about, I think about four years, probably working at a newspaper. And then um, I, I did some freelance writing for, uh, for 
parenting magazine. So yeah. I won some New England Press Association awards for different articles. Um, one was for a, um, a, a package of a, a bunch of different articles for uh, um, on school bus safety for a regional parenting magazine. So I, I did uh, all kinds of, t- just basically took it from all different angles um, on school yeah. bus safety, whether there should be seatbelts and um, you know, the pros and cons of that. Um, just all kinds of things. So I won an award for that. I won a Sword of Hope Media Award for writing um, an article about cancer, um, uh, melanoma. Um, and then I, I won several awards from um, different parenting organizations like Parenting Publications of America for the, um, for the freelance articles I was doing for the Parenting Magazine. Yes. Oh, right. So quite a, quite a wide variety of um, subject matter. Yeah, I always, um, when I was a newspaper reporter, I covered everything from yeah. uh, meetings to police to feature stories, but I've always had a special interest in health and wellness. So yeah. um, a lot of my articles um, that I was recognized for were relating to health and wellness topics. Yeah, yeah. And um, latterly, you've, you've got, oh, I say latterly, I believe latterly, you've got into the book editing program, which you call, is it the Blueprint program? Yeah, so that's an online course that I launched this year, um, and it was inspired because I, I'd been doing freelance developmental editing for about five or six years, and yeah. I noticed that most of the manuscripts that were submitted to me were just really first drafts, even though the authors might have been working on it a long time and trying to rewrite to the best of their ability. They, they What it amounted to was like a first draft, and they would need... Um, ideally to, to send the rewrite back for another round of editing. And some of them would need, you know, five, six, seven rounds of editing. Um, right. If they were beginners and really most writers um, can't afford that because they're doing it on the side. It's a passion yes. and they have other um, job and responsibilities. So um, I created the book editing blueprint course as a stepping stone to hiring an editor where I, boiled it down to 10 modules of all the most common mistakes that I see in, um, in manuscript after manuscript um, and try to empower the writers to learn to pick up on some of these things themselves so that they'll know how to approach their rewrite and they can do these earlier rounds of editing themselves. And then when they are ultimately ready to hire an editor, it'll be for a much stronger draft so they can um, streamline the process and cut down on their expenses and you know, hopefully yeah. you just need a couple of rounds of editing, you know, once they get um, more yeah. and more. I, I think, I, yeah, I think, I think for those of us who, who aren't authors, um, to us probably, edit for, you know, for the listeners, a lot of people would would think that editing is sort of making sure the commas are in the right place and the full stops, but, but it's a lot more than that, isn't it? Yes, I think that's a misconception that a lot of beginner writers have also. So it's often a lot, a lot of times they'll submit a manuscript to an editor and there's different kinds of editors, but the first editor that you always want to start with is a developmental editor who looks at the big picture and that's what yeah. I do. But the misconception is even from beginner writers is that they're just going to get a little bit of feedback here and there to flesh things out or fix their commas. And 
it's often a huge learning curve and a huge eye opener for them when they realize how much rewriting needs to be done. Like, yeah. you know, do they have a character arc for, for their protagonist? Is there enough plot points and conflict? A lot of beginner authors tend to have sagging middles where there's just not enough um, conflict. It's more like episodic r- rather than building toward a climax. Um, yeah. And even just the actual approach to writing it a lot of beginner writers have trouble with point of view and they kind of write it from from a more omniscient style where, where they're not really getting into um, their narrator's heads so so that it's hard for their readers to warm up to the character get to know the character and know their motivations and yes um, so something like that if they're not getting into their uh, character's head enough or the, the main character just doesn't develop enough. That's something that could influence, you know, uh, yeah. every single page of the book, you know, if they're telling, not showing. Um, so it's often a shock to them when they get back. Like my, I tend to write like eight, eight page single space editorial letters filled with all my suggestions and feedback. And it, it can come as a shock once they realize how much work there is to do structurally yes. when they were yes. expecting, you know, just little things. Yeah, I, I guess it must, um, it, for a lot of writers, it must mean that they sort of, I wouldn't say they give up, but they think twice about the amount of work they've got to do. And I'd say most of them um, really want to improve. So you know, once they've spent that money on it initially, that yeah. means they're pretty serious about it. But I, wh- what I find is that I, when they take my class or you know, if I have a writer as a client who has a lot of work ahead of them, I try to just really encourage them because even though they might, they really want to finish and, and rewrite it and, you know, keep going with it. Sometimes it can just seem like this monumental task and, yes. you know, they think it might, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Um, and I think it's important for them to realize that this is part of writing for publication and that every writer goes through this, um, yes. you know, and, and some writers choose to write for a hobby and, and, and that's fine. But um, if you, if your dream is to publish a book and, you know, publish it on Amazon and ha- ha- send it to book reviewers and, and book reviewers and have um, readers you know, c- connect with you. Um, then this is a process you have to go through. So I, I think. Yeah. And, and do you think a lot of that um, sort of heavy lifting work be done up front in the planning of the book? Yeah, I think if they know, um, if they know, like if they outline the book and they kind of know these different, they know going in what the most common problems are structurally with yeah. the book, then they can yeah. kind of think, think it through, think their book through yes. before they write it. Or if in the, if they're in the middle of it um, and they, you know, and they learn all this, then they can kind of stop and get themselves back on track. Whereas, but once you finish, it can be, it just feel like this overwhelming task would be have 300 pages and you know that you have to rewrite every page. I mean, and that's, it's, it's not impossible. Every, you know, I've done yeah. huge rewrites myself. I think most writers yeah. have done overwhelming rewrites. You just have to kind of gear yourself up for it and take it one, one step at a time, like one editing yeah. pass. I, sp- I suppose if, if you look at it in a simple sense, it's not a lot different from say composing a, an email, you know, a reasonably long email and then coming back after lunch and thinking, actually, that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> How's right. that going to be looked at by the by the reader? You, I equated a, 
a lot to like uh, putting together a puzzle with these different puzzle pieces and you're, you're going to yeah. work on this one piece right now and then you're going to work on the next piece so if you just break it into steps rather than try to tackle it all at once um, yeah one, one of my friends um has been reading a book called saving the cat because he, he wants to write a novel um i don't know whether you're familiar with that book no it's a book about um like al- almost a formula for writing novels and um we had a discussion about it and, and and he was saying that you have to start off with the protagonist. The character has to have some sort of transformation on the way and all the rest of it. Um, my, my initial impression was, was that um, that seems quite formulaic and could be a danger to some of the creativity. And yet um, he was explaining that, you know, a lot of books, the, the classics, the Thomas Hardy classics, the the, um, the Jane Eyre's and and all the rest of it they've all got a similar sort of formula going through what what would you say about that actually yeah I, I was having a, a discussion about this very topic on my Instagram um, feed the other day because I had posted something yeah. like what's your least favorite bit of writing advice and that was one one of the um, the things that that one of my followers had posted was you know that it's, that there's so many like formulas and templates and she prefers a more intuitive approach. Um, so I think it's really like a blend, you know, I think it is important yeah. to have, um, to start with the formula. Like I like to use a three act structure where there's like the first quarter is the character, um, you know, learning what their arc is and what their, what their main obstacle is going to be. And then the middle is the second act where you're really building up, to all the obstacles and conflicts, both inner and outer. And then the third act is the climax and the resolution. So I think that's a great formula to start with. Um, yeah. And then depending on your genre, there, there's also certain reader expectations, like for romance novels, um, there's different subcategories of romance, but um, readers of those subcategories have different expectations. So, you yeah. know, you want to give the readers what they're expecting and what they're, what they expect from this genre what they expect from reading a novel but you also want to put your own creativity and intuition into it and make it your own so i think that's just if you start with some kind of formula that will help keep you on track and you know make sure that you're meeting all these requirements but from there you know the rest is Totally. Use, use it as a foundation and, yeah. and a, a sort of structure rather rather than going right through it and just writing to the formula. Right. And I, I like keeping it simple. I mean, I know there's some books that really can break it down and, you know, this has to happen on this page and this happens on this page. I've never, I've never um, really wa- wanted to go that into the formula. Yeah. I just like having just this basic general formula to follow and then just really leave it up to um, your creativity. Uh, it reminds me of like when my, my daughter was in fourth grade, she had like a, her teachers were really um, teaching like for the tests, you know, the, the, yes. the state tests that all the kids had to take. And I just will never forget this assignment she gave, which was like, you had to write, they had to write these sentences and the sentences had to have like a certain number of verbs in it and a certain number of adjectives. And, oh, right. you know, and it was just, <laughs> she looked at it and she was in tears because she was like, I can't even think like this. And, and yeah. I remember sending a, a note to the teacher saying, you know, what, you know, that that's really stifling their creativity. And, you know, yeah. why not just have them look out the window at the s- snow and describe, write a paragraph describing that. So I think, you know, you don't want it to be like 
so tied to the formula. No. You know, you do, no. it's just a balance, I would say. Yeah. And the book editing blueprint program that you, you started this year, I guess, does that sort of give everybody who takes it on all that type of information? Yeah, so they can use it if, if they have a if they have a completed draft and they're they're ready to start doing rewrites. Um, they could use it at that point. If they haven't yeah. t- if they haven't started writing or they're very early in the process, it gives them this different worksheets that can fill out that can help. Um, yeah. Like if somebody who had already had had the completed manuscript when they filled out the workbook, it would be like to evaluate what they've already written. But if you're if you haven't written your book yet, or if you're in, you know, just in the early stages, you can actually use that to help outline your book and to help. Oh, that sounds um, really good. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, so listeners, any listeners that are interested can, um, can see it. And I also give them at the end, there's like a 25 page blueprint of everything that a developmental editor would be um, looking for if you submitted a manuscript so that way they can go through this checklist and it breaks it down into each category like character or you know setting and description um it's a bit yeah. of a line editing and copy editing issues also like the most <clears throat> there's a lot of um like for line editing a, a lot of authors tend to overuse certain words or write passively um there's a lot of common copy editing mistakes that writers make so you know the, it, it introduces them to the most common mistakes. I mean, if they, if m- m- many writers will need a copy editor after they've worked with the development editors because they might have trouble with grammar and punctuation. So it's yeah. not going to replace the need to hire a copy editor, but it will help them to, it will give them some tips for how they can cut down on the most common mistakes because yeah. um, if they can clean it up a bit, that could still bring down their copy editing expenses if they're sending in. And, a and, you, and you also offer an editing service for people as well. Yeah, so I do um, de- a blend of developmental editing and line editing, depending on what stage the manuscript is in. Like if it's a if it's a advanced writer who just who just needs a little bit of fleshing out here and there, or just some feedback on scenes, I can do a lot of line editing just to yeah. help pump up their word choice and make sentences more active. Um, if it's a beginner writer. Um, we often just focus more on the big developmental things, the big things like the characters and the um, point of view and the writing technique, the plot. Um, and the line editing is more along the lines of giving them examples. Like cause it, it wouldn't make sense to line edit a whole manuscript that has to be rewritten anyway, but I'll do some line editing to give examples of like, this is how you can you know, use more vivid words, or this is an example yeah. of a sentence that's passive and we can make it more active, or this is how we can get, you know, um, into deeper into the character's point of view. So I guess when you, when you're editing something like that, you, you have to get deeply absorbed in the story yourself. Yes. Yeah. And you probably, you, probably, you might think, well, actually I, I, I could take this on and finish it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to brainstorm a lot. So, you know, I'll, I think yeah. because I'm a writer, I'll often in my editorial letters, I'll come up with ideas and they're yeah. free to use them or just use it as a springboard for their own ideas. But, yeah. you know, I'll kind of play with, I, I like, it's, fun it's like to play in their world in their story world so i get to kind of use some of my creativity like well i wonder what would happen if you did this or maybe the characters maybe this could be yes. part of her inner journey yeah. yeah and going back going back to your stories um where, where do you get the inspiration for them 
Um, it's it varies depending on the book. Like my my storybook valley series have been a theme park. I've always been I've always loved theme parks. My husband and I actually got engaged at Epcot Epcot when we were on a trip to oh, did you? Disney World. Yeah. Um, oh, lovely. and then we went to Disneyland Paris on our honeymoon and we've gone to Disneyland in California. So we just love yeah. theme parks and we were taking our kids to a um, a small fairy tale theme park in New Hampshire. Um and I, we had just gone to visit Cinderella. And after we left the castle, it's like this idea just flooded over me of um, uh, what if there was a reluctant theme park Cinderella who didn't want to be a Cinderella, um, but she had to for some reason. And what if she, um, her boss was like her Prince Charming and that yeah. inspired um, fooling around with Cinderella. Um, my mystery novel 25 years ago today is about a newspaper editorial assistant who stumbles across a 25 year old unsolved murder while she's compiling the 25 and 50 years ago today column on the microfilm and that was a job that i had when i started at the newspaper as an editorial assistant so um oh, right. i was inspired by my days working for a small independently owned yeah. newspaper yeah. um and then like my, my hockey rivals books was inspired by my love of ice hockey um yeah when i was in high school i really loved ice hockey and did you play it, it? I didn't know, but I just got really into it during the Olympics. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, we had the Boston Bruins and they did really well that year. Um, yeah. And then I, because I love to read, I was trying to find books, fiction to read about it and I couldn't find anything. So then I just wrote my own. So it was sort of like a entertainment for myself and <laughs> to yeah. able to fill a gap. And when you're when you're sort of um, gestating the ideas for your stories, do, do you talk it through with other people, like your husband or friends or anything, or is yeah. it all by yourself? No, I always uh, talk it through. I talk it through with my husband a lot. Um, yeah. I have a friend, a best friend from high school, who actually, um, when I was writing my, my book Face Off in study hall, she would, um, you know, I'd send her pages and she would read it and give me feedback. So um, to this day, I'll still run things by her. I've had critiques various critique partners or yeah. friends over the years where I'll bounce things off of them or say, Hey, you know, if you, if you want to read this chapter, just let me know what you think. But I talk yeah. a lot with my husband also. Yeah. Um, that just in, in your experience, do you think many authors work like that? I think so. I mean, I think some tend to, um, in the beginning, especially if it's like the first book, sometimes they, they don't want anybody to discourage them or, or they're afraid to tell somebody about it because in, in case they get negative feedback. But I think it's important yeah. to bounce ideas off people. It's great to have belong to writing groups. There's a lot of online writing groups where you can make connections and have critique partners. Um, yeah. you know, just, but always remember that it's your story and um, there's a balance of, yeah. you know, kind of knowing what feedback to accept and that works well and that, you know, resonates with you. And, you know, also you might, somebody just might not connect with your idea and you know that doesn't mean it's a bad idea it could just mean that they're not your target audience yeah. so um yeah. so i think you know be careful with it but definitely be open to feedback yeah and do you have any books on the go at the moment that you're writing i've been focusing lately on my my classes I'm, i yeah. would like to do a storybook valley christmas novella and i'm thinking about doing a third book on my hockey rival series but i've yeah. been um i have a something um for writers that i hope to release this fall it's like a non-verbal communication toolkit it'll be like a pdf available on my website where it's sort of like a interactive um reference and also like a system for them to follow because a lot of um writers have a 
tendency, especially beginning writers, they have trouble like portraying characters' emotions. Like they'll, there's a lot of looks and smiles and frowns and just a lot of cliched phrases to depict yeah. um, emotions. So I, I have like the different prompts that they can use for different emotions. And then I also kind of explain how you can use this just as a springboard to, you know, um, to come up with even. And is, is that available on your web- website now? It's not right now, but it should be available in November. Well, like I say, I'll put the links of your websites and all your other yeah, social media on stuff my, on, on the show on notes. Shortcuts for so Writers people, website. Yeah. And and when you do write, actually, when you when you write a book, what does the day look like? How long are you writing for? How how do you set yourself about on it? Uh, I do like my best writing in the morning. I think so. I would tend to write for a couple hours um, before, before lunch. You know, um, then maybe take a break, come back and and maybe finish up whatever scene I was working on for like another hour or so. And then yeah. I seem to kind of run out of steam <laughs> around three yeah. o'clock. And then I, I focus on book promotion or, um, you know, a, t- a task like that that isn't as creative. And and how long does it take to write a book? That's varied over the years. When I was younger, like before I had kids, it would take me maybe six months to a year to write a draft. Um, yeah. Since I had kids, it's it's my time is sort of more scattered. So my book fooling around with Cinderella took me, um, it was put on hold temporarily uh, my, for about a year. My daughter was diagnosed with diabetes during that time oh when she was six yeah. years old. So I had to put it aside for a while. So yeah. Yeah, but with the actual writing part of it, probably about two years. Um, yeah. I did offsides my sequel it, less than a year because I was really focusing on that um, every day. Um, basically, I just said I wanted to get it done. I wanted it released by Christmas. So I focused on that and um, was able to get that done in less than a year. Yeah. And so so what would you tell someone who is interested in becoming an author, but but they've got a daytime job or, or they're looking after a family or both? What would you tell that person if they really wanted to write something? I would say to break it down into steps, like write, come up with an outline for your book um, and then just break it into steps like you know, look at your calendar and find where you can um, make some time. Like, you know, when I'm really deep into writing a book, you know, even, you know, when my kids were younger, I mean, I would, sometimes I would come up like, my husband and I like watch a lot of TV together at night. Sometimes I'd come up an hour later than I typically would so that I could just have an hour on the computer to work. Um, Sometimes I would get up like an hour earlier um, to do that. But then there's other times where I'm just like, if I've been busy, I'm like exhausted and I can't, there's no way I can put in another hour because I'd just be too tired to really, you know, yeah. have anything, you know, anything really well written come out of me. So in those cases, even if you can just do 10 minutes, you know, um, if you're having, going through a busy time, like the holidays, if you're really busy, just 10 minutes a day or every other yeah. day that will, will get you toward your goal but sometimes so just, just keep just keep it as a habit and, and do it for a, yeah even I, if it's 10 minutes just just do it i think it's important to make it as a habit and yeah. give you some time on your computer on your um on your calendar and just look for places where you can find i mean you could, you could probably find 10 minutes if you spent if you spend 10 less minutes scrolling on social media you know scrolling yeah. through facebook we could all do that yeah <laughs> And how, how important is, is research for writers for both fiction and nonfiction? Extremely important. And I think um, because of my journalism background, I've always been really interested in 
research. I actually wrote an article on, uh, for the magazine, The Writer, about research where I interviewed several authors about their, you know, how they research the different books. Um, and, and it can be like big research where you like go out to interview someone or, or to experience something firsthand. Like I've, um, I've taken a uh, audited a firearms class where, because I was researching um, getting handguns, you know, for a character who was being stalked, and I yeah. got to go on the firing range um, right. or an outdoor firing range, and that was just, you know, it really gave me a lot of authentic details that I never yes, would have I been bet. able to get from reading about it. But sometimes it's just a small research, like just the detail, like um, when I was writing um, Fooling Around with Cinderella, I I, I obviously been to a lot of theme parks, but you know there's only so many in my area that <laughs> I could go to. So I wanted to kind of um, create my own theme park. So I did a lot of research, um, going on websites of different theme parks all over the world, and just uh, getting an idea of different rides and different, you know, different yeah. things that they offered, and you know, just little bits and pieces of that yeah. wound up in my yeah. book, just to kind of make my um, my fictional th- fairy tale park come alive um, and feel unique. Um, so there's some research you can just get you know, from online. Or I've also yeah. run things by people who have more expertise than I do. Like f- um, for my Offsides book, I had like a long interview with someone that works for a, um, a organization on that helps that works like with high school families whose kids want to play college hockey college ice hockey so i really yeah. wanted to understand that process um because if i didn't understand that process my book outsides wouldn't just would fall flat it wouldn't be realistic so i really needed yeah. to understand that process yeah. of getting to like the division one hockey and the ncaa and we talked a lot about junior hockey so that was invaluable just talking to an expert and i had a, I had a friend from high school who is a hockey mom so i had her read the book and i um sent some questions that her son her teenage son and his friends answered so that gave me a lot of authentic details like like, like they like to play knee hockey in the hallway and how they would you know um fire put like a goalie net in front of the garage and you know um you know take shots in the driveway so just lots of little details yeah that, are hard to find online. So it's just a yeah. mix of different ways you can approach research depending on what you need. Yeah. So what's downtime for you? Obviously, you, you, you've you got a, a young family. You're, you're a writer. You, you've got the editorial stuff going on. And um, you're visiting theme parks. What, have, do you do anything else? <laughs> um, I like to do yoga. I love to read. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in like um, kind of inspirational self-help books and um, chiclet and mystery. So I'd, I'd love to do a lot of reading, um, taking walks. And then um, I'm addicted to the TV show Supernatural. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Netflix. <laughs> my husband and I have been watching The 100. We have like one more episode left to go. So we usually will oh, really? we'll find a series that we binge watch <laughs> and then we get really yeah. into it. Yeah. No, I, th- I think with, um, with the lockdowns we've had, it's been uh, a lot of people have been sort of addicted to various series on Netflix. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. really didn't get, get out too much this year. We usually like to no. do some traveling and, um, yeah. yeah, we just really haven't done much this year. <laughs> no, I, I've just, um, I say I've just started. I've just seen 50, I I'm one of these people who didn't ever do it, but I've just seen 51 episodes of Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I haven't tried that one. Have you not? No. 
it's it's good yeah um and out of all the things that you've done stacy what what are you most proud of i think i'd say i'm just most proud of my children for i mean yeah. they're definitely my um <laughs> my biggest masterpiece um yeah. and i think for projects i am proud of fooling around with cinderella because um as i was saying my it my daughter was was six years old and she was diagnosed with type one diabetes when I was in the middle of writing it. Um, and it was a really dark time for us because it was such a huge life change. Um, and I put the book aside for almost a year because I couldn't focus on it because I had so much to learn about diabetes management and to get her the right technology and the right doctors. So being able to go back and finish that and to get myself back into that lighthearted mindset to write that kind of humorous, fairy tale yes. novel that that was a triumph for me that yeah, I, you know yeah, we, we kind of overcome this obstacle or you know enough to um to have to go back to some normalcy yeah yeah and before we wrap up are, are there any other um projects you mentioned about your new project for writers but have you got anything else coming up that you'd like to share with listeners um i probably going to be releasing a light version of my book editing blueprint course um Hopefully by the, light the end version. of the year, yep. the light version would just focus yep. on the um, on the copy editing and line editing section, like for nonfiction writers or for um, you know writers who are more experienced and they don't feel that they need the whole thing, the characters and the yeah um, plot and everything. Um, so those are the so that and the nonverbal toolkit are the two projects that I hope to release by the end of the year. Oh, that's great stuff. Well, it's, it's been a really fascinating conversation, Stacey. Thank you ever so much for coming on. We'll put all your details on, on the show notes. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. You have been listening to Undercurrent Stories. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share the show link to your friends and family. And if you have 60 seconds, I will be most grateful if you would please rate and review. To hear more episodes, please subscribe to the show and visit undercurrentstories.com. If you leave your email in the link, we will notify you as soon as new episodes are released. Also, check out our social media links, details of which can be found on the show notes. Until next time, this is Bob Wells wishing you all the very best. 